Welcome, welcome to another edition of Fixin' to Talk Sports. I am your host, Ryan Brown. DS, not present on this one, rip. But I do have a couple pals, a couple of buddies of mine to fill in those those shoes. I got Mike Ayula. I got Jonathan Sullivan. How, how are we doing, fellas? I'm doing well, Ryan. How are you? Doing great, Mike. How are you doing? Oh, doing great, Ryan. It's going to get this out of the way early. Fuck Duke. So, yeah, great. Okay. I already hate it here already. Uh, but we are <laughs> here to talk some Red Sox. Uh, it's been a little bit. It's been a grip since we've talked some socks here on the pod. And with uh, the season winding down, we're in the final week of the regular season. What better time than now? So the Red Sox so far in the months of September, as we record here on Tuesday, September 28th, they are, they have a record of 13 and nine this month going into tonight's series opener against the Baltimore Orioles, which they are currently losing in the seventh inning. Great, great sale day so far. Uh, But through 97 though, through 97, he he hit 97 on the gun. Yes. Ooh, love that. That's it. But so the team, the team, the record, it says it's good, but let's be honest, it could be better. And it also honestly could be way worse given how inconsistently they've played. So Mike, let me get you started. What do you, when you look at the team's play over the past month or so, what, what comes to mind first? Um, you know, what comes to mind is tonight, notwithstanding, uh, they beat up on the bad teams and they get crapped on by the good ones. You know, they had that little little eight-game winning streak there when they were wearing those yellow jerseys, which I hate, by the way. Um, but, you know, they, they did that and they weren't really playing anyone particularly great over that stretch. Um, I think they did play Baltimore at home for three games at some point during that and that kind of tends to inflate your record. And then New York comes to town, you know, biggest series of the year. All you need to do is win one game and you hold on to the first wild card spot heading into the last week of the regular season. And what happens Friday night, uh, uh, your best pitcher all year gets absolutely obliterated and doesn't last three innings. Saturday, you have the lead with two outs in the eighth inning and nobody on you quite literally walk the walk two guys, hit a third guy and then throw a meatball to the strongest guy in the league. So you lose that game. Uh, Jonathan and I were actually at that game. That was, that was miserable. And Sunday night, um, I mean, to put it explicitly, you got boned by Joe West, but, you know, Bobby dropping the ball didn't help. And then, you know, giving up another big home run to Stanton doesn't help. So you get swept and now you're one back at the wild card and you're losing tonight to Baltimore. So yippee. Uh, but yeah, it's just they they don't show up against the good teams. They haven't showed up against New York since the trade deadline. And that's not a good thing considering the Yankees, the team they're expected to play in the wild card game. They need to be better in those big games. They need more out of guys like Yavaldi. They need more timely hitting from guys like Bogarts, Devers, Martinez, Schwarber, um, and even Renfro to an extent who's been a big part of the lineup this year. You know, you're not playing a 50-win ball club in the wild card game. You're playing a 90-win ball club, and you gotta you got to play up to your own potential. So that's, that's what I've noticed. Yeah, we'll get more into the Yankees series here in a little bit because that, like you said, just atrocious. Jonathan, so – what stood out to you over the past month or so? Just how little faith I have in, in really at this point, any of the pitching I, I have, I don't think there's been one pitcher over the last, I guess if you want to say Chris sale, you know how I feel about Chris sale. You saw it tonight. This dude, he gives you something, but the runs he gives up are the most crucial, the most brutal runs. Hey, I don't, I don't want to get into my opinion on Chris Sale. It's, it's well known how I feel about Chris Sale. Everyone else has been a puddle. I can't think of one pitcher that has been like consistently like good for the past month, two months at least. Like Avaldi, as Mike said, just got shelled. Erod like has, has starts where he's good, and then he has starts where he's terrible. The bullpen has just been atrocious. Since basically the trade deadline, um, your your closer, that all-star closer, is literally a mental puddle and cannot pitch uh, anymore. Your setup guy, the eighth inning guy, is was 35 years old, and now he also like cannot pitch anymore. Um, your best reliever is hurt. Your best lefty reliever all year is hurt. And you're basically, you're, you're just throwing stuff 
up against the board like you were at the beginning of the year, basically, and hoping something sticks. Um, and unfortunately, that is you can get away with that. It's not a great strategy in April, but it's un- unfathomable in September that you your bullpen as really at this point, no defined roles at all because of this is a complete mess. Yeah, I mean, there for the most part, I agree with you on the pitching. I mean, there, there's a couple of names in the bullpen that aren't doing so bad. I mean, Garrett Richards has a sub three ERA this month and in, in 13 guy. innings. I mean, he's he's transitioned seamlessly to the bullpen, so I think that's that's a positive. And uh, look at Hansel Robles; he hasn't given up an earned run all month in nine innings. I, I mean, it's. And he never makes it look pretty, but I mean, he's you're got crazy. The... You're crazy if you trust him to pitch any inning in a while in a playoff game. Okay, okay, you're fair. absolutely crazy. Okay, but still, if if you're saying the entire bullpen has been a disaster this month, there are still bright spots to be found there. That's all I'm trying to say here. I but guess, for, but for the most part, I agree. When you when you start looking at it just outside of the September, when you start looking at it like post All Star break, that's when it gets really sketchy. That's and nothing encapsulates it more than the Matt Barnes thing. That has to be the most frustrating part of the post all-star break is the absolute collapse. Just, I don't even know how else to describe it of Matt Barnes, your all-star closer. As soon as he signs that extension, 7.07 ERA whip, almost approaching two, like, how I, I don't even, I don't, I don't get it. I don't, I don't understand how you can just completely lose it this bad, but I guess I really shouldn't be surprised because we've seen it before with guys like Daniel Bard, who just went from really young and upstart stud to just disaster. So hopefully it won't take as many years as it did for Bard to figure it out for Matt Barnes to figure it out. And, Daniel Bard ever really figure it out? Yeah, that's that's up to you. But yeah, not it hasn't the pitching, I, I think, has been I'm not gonna say it a dumpster fire, but I think it's been I think it's been okay. And then honestly, when you look at the hitting on, on the surface, the hitting numbers across the board, everyone's hitting well for the month. It's just the, what's really just killing them is the fact that. In clutch situations, whether it's fielding, pitching, or hitting, whenever there are runners on base, the Boston Red Sox over the past month, and more so just the entire second half, have just been shambles. They cannot get guys in when they have them in running, in scoring position, and they can't keep guys off the bases once they get on base. It's just, it's just, a, it's just a, a beautiful disaster in terms of the clutch gene for this team has just gone completely out the window. Yeah. They, they really don't know how to come up with a big hit. I mean, even tonight, you know, I know it's not ideal for sale to give up three on runs against Baltimore, but you give up three on runs against Baltimore. You think, Oh, Baltimore's pitching is crap. They're going to be fine. Anyways, the offense is only giving them two runs of support. That's why they're losing this game. It's not like it's been a high scoring game and sale got shelled. They're down three to two. Like, they're not coming up with timely hitting out at all. Their home runs are all solo home runs early in the game. They don't do anything late in the game. They gave up that home run to Stanton the other night, and what did the offense do? Nothing. They just folded over and, and died. Like, yeah. they, they already knew that the game was over. Like, it, it, they don't seem to be nearly as engaged as they were at the beginning of the season. And honestly, that starts with Xander Bogarts. He's the guy who everybody's calling for. Put the C on his chest. Put the C on his chest. He's the captain of the team, and... I'm one of those people. I think they should put the C on his chest, but quite frankly, he hasn't been nearly as good as he was at the beginning of the year. The same goes for JD Martinez. He had that red hot April. And after that, he kind of cooled off dramatically. I mean, he came scorching back to earth. He hit what nine home runs in April. He's hit 18 over the past four months. I I understand that it's hard to hit home runs in the MLB and 27 is a solid number, but for your DH to be averaging four and a half home runs per month, over the past four months, when you're paying him $19 million a year, that's that's inexcusable. He should be at six or seven a month. You know, th- that's not enough out of that spot, especially when he's not hitting in the 300s. He's been in the, the mid to upper 200s for a good portion of the year now. 
Um, really the only guy that the only guys really can't crap on are Devers who has pretty much carried the team with the power and the RBIs this year. Renfro who's played well above expectations. Kike who's also played above expectations and Schwarber because he wasn't here for half the year. Um, I mean, other than that, you know, Vasquez has been a black hole behind the plate. Um, you know, the other guy, Kevin behind the plate, I won't say his last name. I don't know if offend anyone else in, in this, uh, thing, uh, Jonathan, um, no Sorry. talk, please. Shh. Uh, Ke- Kevin has been fine for a backup catcher, you know. Uh, you know, Bobby, he's been better over the last two months, but he was abysmal for the first four. Um, he is serviceable now as a first baseman. He has OPS over 800, which is well above league average. Believe it or not, he is well above league average offensively. Uh, but, but it took him a long time to get there. Uh, and Verdugo, I, I don't know what his deal is. He doesn't seem nearly as good this year as he was last year. Uh, so, I mean, really, you know, all around everywhere you look, it's they've had a lot of holes in the lineup that they shouldn't have had this year. And it's it's the reason they don't have the timely in clutch innings is because it really falls on three guys and two of them haven't been as good as they are capable of being. Yeah, I, I think when you're just talking about the past month or so, I think the three big things to take away are the just complete and utter lack of clutch time, like timely hitting, timely pitching. Uh, the sale debuting after the all-star break has certainly been a blessing in disguise in a way. I mean, I, th- I, I think calling it in disguise isn't really a disguise because everyone knew that everyone knows sales arm. He can't get through a full season. He's going to, he's going to get hurt eventually and taper off. So starting him after the all-star break and having him geared up in a midseason form for a potential postseason run seems like the best thing to ever happen to Chris sale, but they have to get there first. And uh, they're, they're barely hanging on to that as is. And then, like I said, the demise of Matt Barnes, the just, absurdly brutal second half. And then to top it off, he, he gets COVID sits out a couple weeks uh, right after he loses the closer role officially. And now it's just like sixth inning after sixth inning appearance. And it's just like, God, how, Um, but let's get into that Yankee series. Mike's Mike's touched on it a good deal already, but what, what, what the hell was that series? Just like Mike nailed it on the head. Avaldi, Seven and runs in two and two thirds in the series opener on Friday. That's his worst start in over four months. That like couldn't have picked a worse time to do that. Then the bullpen implodes late game clutch situations in both games two and three of the series, both Saturday and Sunday, allowing go ahead home runs, just terrible. And theme. Runners in scoring position, Red Sox, four for 19, barely hitting over 200 with runners in scoring position. That's just inexcusable when one team is coming into your ballpark with a playoff mentality of we need to take every single game and you just completely drop the ball across the board and you can't even take one. You can't even salvage one game. What the absolute hell? Jonathan, how do we reason this? How did this happen? They're just they're just mentally they're mentally weak that's that's all i can say about like the team that i saw this weekend i mean i don't really blame like darwin's and hernandez like for giving up a bomb to giancarlo stanton like i mean it's darwin's and hernandez he should have never been in the game in the eighth inning of a one-run game to begin with um but just the players they're just not like there's just something about you mentioned like the no clutch hitting like I can't get I can't get off like the fact that they're all like the way they're they've been the way the team's been put together is like we know it's based like a computer has like punched this team together like that's what Heim does um, and then like I can't just they don't play with like as much emotion as I feel like they were playing in the beginning of the year um, and like passion and I can't help thinking that's like just because they're like all like pieces in like a, like an analytical model that's just like strung together and spit out to try to make like the best team possible. Shout out, and uh, it's just like, they're just like, they're lifeless at times. Like there's no, like I Verdugo, I guess plays with some passion, but like I hardly ever really like Pavetta, I guess Pavetta yelled a little bit on Saturday. Like he pitched pretty good. 
Um, but like, I just don't really see like that much like life uh, as much as there was like at the beginning of the season. I know that like when you're winning, obviously you're playing, you're like happier, like winning cures everything, blah, blah, blah. But like just a little like, you know, little passion. Like I want to see someone like scream. Like I, it would have been nice to like over the weekend if their video came out of someone like screaming. Like at like like in a, like a you know a players meeting or something in the dugout, um, I just feel like that just like wasn't happening. Yeah, it's almost like the they're like content to be here. Like nobody. Yeah, thought they I would mean be... they know like the team itself. Like uh, back in like July when they were in first place, they I don't even know if you remember they put like that. Uh, their Twitter bio was like, we remember your tweets from like the first week of the season or something like that. Like, it's just like, we know we overachieved this year. We know what the expectations were. Even, uh, even where we are right now is just as kind of disappointing as the last week or so has been, especially the last few days because they were playing pretty good up until that Yankee series. Um, it's just like, they know that they've overachieved and some of them are just like content with that. Like, I'm like, no one really thinks they're going to win the World Series, but like, at least like go down like with a fight. Don't just say, well, we made it here. We're going to get like close to nine. We're going to get over 90 wins. No one thought we were going to get that. It's a successful season, you know, and just end there. Yeah. No, like, there's no doubt about it. If they collapse this week against the Orioles and Nationals of all teams, the Orioles have like one of the worst records in the league going. That's a failure. Not the worst. If they lose this series to the Orioles and they allow a team like Toronto to jump them or even Seattle, I, I don't care what the expectations were. They get adjusted as you go on the season. How, how well they perform that first half. Yeah. Okay. You, you couldn't expect them to keep that up the entire season. All right. That's, that's fair enough. But for them to then not be able to really get going again for them to just kind of lag in, in this inconsistent, like barely above 500, like it, it, it would, it would just, if they, if they do not perform well this week and they end up not even make making the wild card game because they couldn't handle business against the Baltimore Orioles and Washington nationals there, there needs to be things hammered out about this team. And I don't know if it's a personnel standpoint or what, but that this this can't happen. This cannot. This season cannot end without them making the playoffs, or else I think you have to describe it based on the first half of the season as a failure. Mike, what do you? What about you? I mean, you've you've already went into detail a lot about that the Yankee series, but is there any anything else you want to touch on? Um, you know, I think it all harkens back to the deadline. Uh, you know, you, you look at a team like the Yankees, they were in a similar position to the Red Sox, uh, you know, going for it, actively seeking upgrades to the lineup in their bullpen uh, and maybe even the rotation to an extent. Um, and, you know, the, the Red Sox big need at the deadline was, you know, a first baseman and probably another good reliever. And how did they address that? They traded for a guy who had never played first base in his life and isn't playing first base now, which has more to do with the way Bobby has played um, than the fact that Schwarber is incapable of the position. But still, they didn't actually trade for a first baseman. And they traded for two crappy relievers who haven't really done all that much for your bullpen. I know I know you said Robles had the good numbers earlier, but he came in tonight, one out, man on first base, and he gave up the go-ahead run that was an inherited runner from Sal. So, I mean, those guys that they got haven't, out of the bullpen, they haven't made huge difference makers and they didn't address their biggest offensive need, albeit Schwarber has been great, but he wasn't at the time the biggest need on the team. Meanwhile, you look at the team like the Yankees, they needed more left-handed bats and more patience in their lineup. So they went out and got Anthony Rizzo, a seasoned veteran who, you know, has been there and done that in the postseason, and Joey Gallo, who has one of the highest on base percentages in the league. And it really spread out their lineup and opened things up. And since then, they've taken off and been able to maintain consistent pace the wild card race. Meanwhile, the Red Sox, who were in a dogfight with the Rays, it's like they saw Heim do nothing. And they were like, he doesn't believe in us. 
and they stopped believing in themselves. They just started to collapse and Tampa ran the hell away with it. And now we're, we're looking at a Red Sox team that that's going to be in a dog fight to just possibly play a road game in the wild card against a much better Blue Jays or Yankees team. They, they don't seem like they believe in themselves anymore. And I don't know what it's going to take to snap them out of that, but they got five days to figure it out because it, it looks like they're going to lose this game tonight, which is flat out inexcusable. Um, but it, I don't know. It's that they're just, it's, it's like Jonathan said, they're lifeless. Yeah. I mean, look, if you lose one game in each series and you go four and two down the stretch, and another team like Toronto goes six and zero, then fine. Hats off to them. I don't think that's going to happen, but I think at a minimum you have to win both series. So if the Red Sox lose tonight in the opener against the Orioles, the next two games immediately become must win, and then you have to you have to win the National Series as well. If, if you lose either of these series, you have to sweep the other. Like four and two has to be the baseline for this stretch run. Otherwise, you're going to allow a team like Toronto or even Seattle to get to make up some ground here, and that's that's going to be really scary. Um, I'm I'm looking at the Red Sox schedule now. The last time they won a series against a team that's above 500 was literally the Yankee series, the four game set back in Feb, uh, in July. Uh, at the end of July, the one that uh, we, well, when I say we, I mean me and Mike went to uh, the Thursday night game. I also went to that Sunday night game. Those were some great comeback wins for them. I just wish we could get that team back because uh, they haven't they haven't really existed for quite some time. Uh, but let's talk about some of the playoff races going down. Obviously, we've harped upon how the Red Sox are in the thick of it for the wild card race. Uh, the divisional races are pretty much wrapped up in the American League. The Rays have clinched the AL East. The White Sox have clinched the AL Central. And the Houston Astros will be clinching the AL West pretty much any day. Their magic number is like got to be one or two off the top of my head. I'm not sure which. I think it's two. Um, so it's really going to, in the American League, it's going to come down to that wild card race where you've got uh, the Yankees holding down the first spot a game ahead of the Red Sox entering play tonight. The Red Sox sitting in the second spot, one game ahead of the Blue Jays for the second spot, and the Mariners a game and a half back of the Sox. Uh, in terms of strength of schedule, uh, I think the Red Sox obviously have the easiest schedule, but as we are currently seeing tonight, they are not exactly doing a great job of capitalizing on it to begin the week. Uh, which they need to do in order to make the playoffs. Because, look, th they're going to have their chances here. The, the Blue Jays, the Yankees are playing the Blue Jays and the, the Rays. So the Yankees have two, uh, their last six games, very difficult. Blue Jays have to play the Yankees, and they're also playing the Orioles. So the Blue Jays are going to have a series against the Orioles, the worst team in the American League, and they're going to have their opportunity to gain some ground there. Uh, I forget who Seattle has uh, down the stretch. I think they got the A's and then... I, I know I they're playing Oakland right now. Yeah, they got the A's to start, and then I want to say they're Angels. playing the Angels. Yeah, it was Angels. either Angels or Astros. Um, so that's a, that's a series that they might be able to capitalize on as well. So if you're the Boston Red Sox, you cannot be afford you cannot afford to lose either of these series uh, this week to, to teams that are just so bad in the standings. But uh, what what? So Jonathan, I'll start with you. Thoughts on the playoff races? Well, I mean the the divisional races are you know as you mentioned they're nothing. They're literally nothing. They're just like snooze fest, like the AL, the AL East. It's been the Rays division since basically, you know, the end of July. Uh, the AL Central has been the White Sox division basically since the season started. And the AL West has been the Astros since basically like May or June, I think. Um, so, you know, it's not like there's anything coming down. I guess like seeding is still a little bit in play, although the Rays I think are are pretty set to be that 
one spot in the AL. Um, but the wild card race is good. I mean, three teams vying from the same division. Clearly, it's the best division in the American League. Um, arguably the best division in baseball, unless you want to talk about the NL West. But those two teams are very good. But the AL, the AL East has four teams that I would consider, you know, good. Um, the, since the Padres have completely fallen off a cliff over the last couple of weeks, they're typical yeah. San Diego. They'll just they'll never win like anything ever. <laughs> Um, and yeah, I mean, other than the wild cards, it's not, I wouldn't say it's in the American league, you know, the American league wild card race is, is very good. Um, it's, it's probably about as good as you can ask, especially if you want to consider the Mariners as part of the race, ESPN still has them at like 5% chance to make the playoffs. But if you want to say it's a four team race, I guess you can say that. And you really can't ask for much more than that, especially with two of the teams playing right now. Those are humongous games. The Red Sox, honestly, in my humble opinion, should be rooting for the Yankees because if the Yankees just win out, that will that will basically kill Toronto um, if the Red Sox just win a couple games against this trash competition. Um, so, yeah, that's that's my the division is the divisions are what they are. They're not good. They're they're not even close. And uh, but the wild cards make up for it. Yeah, I mean we can we can sort of bring up the National League too, I guess, while we're at it. Since I mean that's uh, at least offers a little more intrigue. The NL East is still up for grabs, although uh, the Phillies have been unable to make up much ground over the past couple of weeks. On the Braves, they're still two and a half back. The Brewers have already locked up the NL Central. And then the Giants and Dodgers are both in the playoffs. They're so far ahead of of just about everyone else in the league. It's not even funny. But they are competing with each other for the NL West. The Giants are two up on the Dodgers entering play tonight. Um, But the NL wildcard is just – it's already over. It's it's already over because one of those two dominant NL West teams will host the NL wildcard game. And then the St. Louis Cardinals – Winners of 16 in a row have just made the wild card race in the NL a moot discussion. So, Mike, let's. Uh, what are your playoff race thoughts? Um, you know, I guess Jonathan pretty much covered the American League, so I'll I'll take the National League on this one and give that perspective. Um, you know, I saw something today that. The Cardinals are tied for the third longest regular season winning streak ever. And none of the teams that are three, two, or one have ever gotten past the championship series. And only one of them has ever gotten past the division series. So that doesn't bode well for the Cardinals. What does bode well for them is that they're red hot going up, going in line to face one of the two best teams in, in baseball in the giants and the Dodgers, Uh, you know, truthfully, this is going to sound crazy, but they should be rooting for the Dodgers in that wild card game. Uh, you know, I think everybody in the National League can agree that it would be much better for the Giants to win that division because, let's be realistic, the Dodgers are the best team in baseball. And the only way that I can really, really, truly see them going out is a wild card game loss because in a one off, anything can happen. If, if, if the Cardinals throw Wainwright out there, who's pitched really well this season, you know, against Scherzer, he'll, he'll be the underdog. But at the same time, you know, would you rather then have to, you know, throw, I don't even know, injured Jack Flaherty against Walker Bueller in game two and J- old John Lester against Clayton Kershaw in game three? It's, it, it doesn't bode well. Your best shot at taking them out is in a one-off. So that should make for a really fascinating game, the best team in baseball versus the hottest team. The Giants, I – I mean, kudos to them. They have blown everyone out of the water. Gabe Kapler uh, should be unanimous manager of the year in the National League. What he's done with that team is is incredible. They went for it at the deadline with Bryant. They're going to be a real threat in the postseason. Uh, You know, the Milwaukee Brewers out of the NL Central are a sleeper team. They've got as good of any front three in baseball as you can get, and that lineup can absolutely rake from one through eight. Uh, And and plus, they have a two-headed monster at the back of the bullpen. And then, you know, low-key, the NL East, there's a race there. I mean, the Phillies and Braves play a three-game series this week, and I think there's like two and a half games separating them. Yep. Uh, so it, so if the Phillies go out and sweep that series, you know, we're going to have a bit 
bit of a pickle on our hands going into the weekend with the Annalise, or even if they take two out of three and, you know, could have done a one and a half, that, that, that could be a bit of a tight race going into this weekend. You know, the Phillies have a lot to play for. If, if the Braves take care of them over the next three days, obviously, you know, the, the division gets wrapped up, but you know, that, that, that's pretty fascinating to watch. It'll be interesting to see who, who comes out of there. Um, you know, I, I do think that the Dodgers will, you know, be the heavy National League favorites unless unless they're in the wild card game, in which case we could see a bit of parity out of that league. But it's been the Dodgers league the past few years, and uh, I don't see much changing about that this year. Yeah, if they're in the wild card game, it's almost just like just survive this wild card game, survive the Cinderella run of the Cardinals, and just get to the divisional round. Because like you said, nobody has the talent to match up with us. Nobody has the talent to match up whatsoever across the board. So, I mean, that trade for Trey Turner and Max Scherzer is just disgusting. You you take a team that was already loaded and you just go overkill. And, you know, credit to them because they've got the money to do it and they had the resources to make it happen. So, you know, can't do much more than tip your hat. And uh, whether you root for them or not, Gotta just respect that they went all in for it again. Um, so let's talk about the potential wild card game in the American League. The, if the Red Sox should be fortunate enough to hang on here and play in it, who should start that wild card game? Mike, I'll start with you. Um, I mean, listen, if if they if they somehow clinch a spot before Sunday and they don't have to use Chris sale on Sunday to clinch that spot, it's Chris sale. And it's a no brainer. I mean, it, it, I think the, you have all the outing the other night pretty much sealed the deal that, you know, you're not putting anybody but Chris sale out there on a one-off. He's the ace of your team. He's getting paid like it. You know, you brought him back for this reason. Uh, you know, barring, barring a last minute attempt to have to get in, it should be him. Now, under the scenario where it's Sunday, you're tied for the last spot and you need to get to Monday or in a play-in or Tuesday, the actual wild card game, and you have to blow sale Sunday to win that game. Um, then I think you do have to go to Ivaldi because none of the other guys are confident inspiring at all, but it's Ivaldi in the wild card game with all hands on deck short of sale. Um, I mean, it's, he has a short, short leash, and you just have to throw shit to the wind. If he's crapping the bed in the first inning, you got to go with Garrett Richards out of the bullpen, Pavetta out of the bullpen, Erod out of the bullpen. It doesn't matter. Everyone and anyone should be available for that wild card game if Sale is incapable of going. Uh, ideally, they, they don't have to worry about that, but that that is a realistic possibility, especially with them about to lose the Orioles tonight. You know, um, so I mean, yeah, it's either. You know, it's like they used to say with golf where they would be like, oh, would you take Tiger or the field? Well, in this case, it's sale or the field of pitches that they have. That's that's their options. Jonathan, do you agree with Mike or? I mean, sadly, it's probably what they will they will do if they don't have to um, throw sale on Sunday, as he's basically outlined in an ideal world. Um, you're you've locked up a wild card spot by Sunday. Um, if you want to like try to win the game because home field's still on the line or whatnot, that's one thing. I don't think that's be worth throwing Chris sale. Um, that game, Mike, uh, can I ask you the same question? So let's say they're the two wildcard spots are, are confirmed like whatever Red Sox Yankees. Um, but they can, they're, they could still get home field advantage or something like that. That in my opinion is not worth throwing Chris sale on the Sunday. Would you agree or disagree? Yeah. You pitched Tanner Hawk there. They, they, if you lock up that spot, you don't blow sale that, that day and then don't have him available for the wild card game. He's, he's got a pitch in the game. It doesn't matter the location. Yeah. So I would agree with that. Although like, if Avaldi had thrown well on Friday against the Yankees, I would have said that you should really think about it because Avaldi has had previous success against the Yankees, especially in Yankee Stadium. He's thrown there in the playoffs before successfully um, in 2018. And just because the his slider um, is 
beneficial against the Yankees lineup because it's so they obviously they added Gallo and Rizzo at the deadline, but the the meat and potatoes of their order of Judge Stanton, LeMayhew, even that that disgusting human Gary Sanchez, um, you know they're susceptible to that type of pitching from Evaldi. Um, so you really got to think about it if it is the Yankees, I would say. But I think because of all the was so bad on Friday that you just you just got to go Chris Sale and in hope, you know, it won't go well. Obviously, we know that, um, you know, anyone that thinks Chris Sale is going to give you a gem in that game, you probably you, you better pull your breath. All I'm going to say. Um, but, yeah, you got to go Chris Sale. I mean, he's your ace ace. So got to go with him. Yep. Totally agree. It's going to be sailor Rivaldi, and just, it's even based off of just the probable starters. They've got those two lined up for the first two games here against Baltimore. And so it just makes sense. It's going to be one or two of those two, um, regardless of the situation. Uh, let's talk some season awards. I know the season isn't quite in the books and who knows how this week is going to play out, but We'll call it slightly early season awards. Uh, So we'll give our our team MVP, our team Cy Young, and uh, what we would call our favorite moment of the season. Uh, Jonathan, why don't you get us started? Who who would you say is your team MVP for 2021? My team MVP, I I feel like uh, the third baseman is like the – the like pick, but I'm actually going to go with Hunter Renfro um, is my team MVP. You know, the outfield at the beginning of the year, I I feel like they were, they signed Renfro, they signed Marwin Gonzalez. You really weren't sure like exactly who like your right fielder was going to be like for the whole year. Like, I mean, they Renfro started the year and in a platoon with like, you know, various people moving around the outfield and stuff like that. And he, just through just success at the plate, you know, he's worked his way into um, being your everyday right fielder and producing, you know, career highs and almost career highs in home runs, career high in RBIs, average um, on base percentage, almost slugging percentage. It's a little bit less, but like he really had a career year. He's, borderline been playing at almost like an all-star level, like at for certain stretches of the year, you know, he does go through cold stretches. He's a historically, you know, streaky hitter, but for what they've gotten out of him, I think that he has defied expectations more than anyone um, on the team this year. So for that, he is my MVP because he's really shored up a position that I feel like coming into the season, like there were, you know, question marks about who that third outfielder was going to be. Mike, who's yours? Um, you know, Devers is the easy pick. I mean, it's it's like Jonathan said. I mean, he's he's got the numbers to to you know back that up with with the power and everything, and kind of being the the core hitter of this lineup. So so I guess at a at a basic level, he's technically your best player. But if we're going with most valuable, I'm going to go with the other offseason addition that's been big, and that's Kike Hernandez. You know, ever since the Mookie Betts trade, they've kind of had a black hole in that leadoff spot, and uh, they, they tried out Benintendi last year. That didn't work. They've tried out other guys, and it hasn't worked. And they put Kike in this year, and, and you know, it didn't work at first, but eventually he came around and it started to work. Um, he was able to, you know, get on base quite a bit, show a little bit of pop, get, got his first real opportunity to play every day here, and uh, – you know, he, he's played quality defense in center field, replacing JBJ out there. He hasn't been a complete black hole in the outfield uh, like other guys they put in center field have been this year. Um, most notably for Dugo was awful that one game where he dropped a couple in the sun. Uh, you know, so with the outfield defense and taking over the leadoff spot, I mean, that's that's incredibly valuable to a team to find a guy like that at only $7 million a year. So, you know, in, in a similar lining to Jonathan's thinking, I, I would say that Kike has been – an exceptionally valuable player for this team. I like both of yours, uh, but I'm going to go with Xander Bogarts. It, and it, I know you talked about how the power kind of fell off the, the good portion of the end of the season, but 
I mean, when you just look across the board, he's still the best hitter on the team, gets on base the most, uh, highest batting average on the team, and he's easily the best infielder. I, I don't know if he's the best fielder per se, just because we've seen just some absolutely electric putouts from the outfield at times, Renfro uh, mostly. Um, but he's just been a solid rock. Yeah, the, the stats don't pop out to you, and, and the counting stats rather don't pop out to you as much. But when your shortstop is getting you 25 home runs, 80 RBIs, and he's up, up by the team lead for runs, leading the team in batting average and OBP, as well as being one of, if not the best defensive players on your field. Uh, I don't think you can ask for a whole lot more out of that. So I'm going to go Xander Bogarts as my team MVP. Let's move on to Cy Young for the team. And for me, this was actually like really easy. And I think it's got to be Garrett Whitlock. And I know he's kind of cooled off a little bit down the stretch here, but when for him to post a sub two ERA to this point in 72 and a third innings pitched entering tonight, that's, that's outstanding. Nobody on the team even comes close to those numbers in terms of innings pitched out of the bullpen and ERA. Uh, I just, he's been, I don't want to say a revelation, but to see him just thrive the way he has and, especially when others have just totally just collapsed uh, has just been awesome to see. And I, I really hope that even if he's not a starting pitcher going forward and he's just a, a long reliever, but like in high leverage situations, like he continues to excel the way he has. So for that reason, I'm going to go Garrett Whitlock as my team Cy Young. Mike, who's your team Cy Young? Yeah, I mean, I agree with you on this one, Ryan. I'm not going to beat around the bush with this. Whitlock's been their best pitcher start to finish this year. He's been the most reliable arm. Uh, you know, it, it's weird to say that about a reliever, um, but the starting pitching has been that bad. I wanted to say Evaldi, but, you know, push came to shove and they needed him the most. He wasn't there. Had he had a good outing on Friday, I probably would have said him. But a moment like that will affect your, you know, candidacy for an award like this for Team Cy Young, obviously. Whitlock hasn't really had many of those bad moments. He's had a couple. Um, but he's been nails when you've needed him most. And like you said, sub two ERA with over 70 innings pitch, that's really impressive for a guy who had never pitched in the major leagues before. And pitching in this division in particular, that's that, that makes it all the more impressive. So you know, he, he's the obvious candidate. Jonathan, any uh, disagreement here? Um, I mean, I'll, I'll just make the case, I guess, for Evaldi because um, in actuality, we know that relievers rarely uh, – Eric Gagne won Cy Young. I don't, I, I don't know any other reliever in the 21st century. I don't think has won a Cy Young besides him. Um, so relievers don't win the Cy Young. It's always starting pitching. Um, so he's been your most consistent starter. He has had bad starts littered throughout the season, but you know, for a guy that has injury history, for him to make 31, 30, his 32nd start uh, tomorrow, that's pretty impressive. Um, you know, especially cause he got hurt last year. He got hurt in 2019, you know, the amount of money he's making 17 million a year. When you average out his like value this year, he, he's been, you know, he's pitched more like a pitcher that should be making in like the mid to upper twenties when it comes to like his value added to the team. Fangraphs actually has him for just starting pitching because I'm, I'm not including Shohei Otani in this cause he's number one in war, but in just starting pitching, Fangraphs actually has him fourth out of the whole pitching this year. Just Corbin Burns, Zach Wheeler, Jacob DeGrom, who's been out for a long time. And then it's Nathan Avaldi fourth in their war. Um, so down this whole, the whole year, he's been one of the best. According to them, he's been one of the best pitchers in the whole league. Um, you know, value added to the team. So I'll, I'll, he's, he's my Cy Young for that reason. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's having, he was an all star this year. I and mean, he leads the, the team in war from the pitching staff by a, a mile. Uh, so that, I mean, if you're not picking Whitlock, I think you got to pick of all these just because Chris Sale 
has only pitched in eight games. You can't if, – if you're given that man your Cy Young, then your pitching this year has just been an utter failure. Um, and let's let's talk about our favorite moment on the season. Uh, mine, mine isn't so much a moment as it was just a stretch. We already sort of talked about it a little bit. It was that when the Red Sox took three or four against the Yankees back in late July in Fenway, all three of the wins were come from behind variety. And to be present for two of them just what made it even all the more sweeter. Um, the extra innings game in, on the, the series opener, the rain delay, it was just it was just wild. It was a great time to be at Fenway Park. And for me, that seals the deal. But Jonathan, what was your favorite moment on the season so far? Yeah, so I, I'll go with a similar um, thing to you, Ryan. I'll go with a, a moment as well. And my moment here is actually right at the beginning of this season for them opening weekend to drop and get swept by the wretched Baltimore Orioles fall to 0-3 right off the bat. And you're thinking, oh, my God, this is 2020 all over again. This team is going to be wretched. They're going to be one of the worst teams in baseball. You're going to you're not going to have a baseball season again for them to go and win um, nine straight uh, and some of those wins were in very, you know, bit dramatic fashion as well, just to know that you were going to have a season. Um, that was like the best part because the way it 2020 had gone, everyone saw that first weekend and basically honestly wrote this team off after those three games, losing to a team that everyone knew and was the Baltimore Orioles, just terrible, terrible, terrible team, historically bad. Um, and the fact that they were able to then win nine straight and show you that they, they really were going to give you a season was a pleasant surprise. Mike? Um, again, you kind of touched on it, Ryan, that, that Thursday night game against the Yankees with extra innings that we were at, that was, that was an incredible experience. I don't know that anything's going to beat that. Um, but, you know, you, like you kind of already talked about that. So I guess I'll pick a different moment. It came on um, July 31st. After the trade deadline, they traded for reliever Austin Davis. It has nothing to do with the fact that they traded for Austin Davis. It has to do with the fact of who they traded away. Michael Chavis is off the Red Sox roster. Thank fucking goodness. That stupid ice horse nickname can go away. He can go be Pittsburgh's problem now. He can go get a strikeout on all high fastballs for that team, for their AAA affiliate, and for them because they suck so badly. You know, getting getting that guy off the roster. It, it cured Bobby Dahlbeck, too. You got rid of Michael Chavis, and all of a sudden, Bobby Dahlbeck. Dahlbeck started hitting well. So, you know, I, I think Chavis was really the problem. He fixed my guy, Bobby. And, uh, you know, Bobby's really taken off since, since Michael, Michael left. He's been able to spread his wings, cut down on the strikeouts. He started walking more, started showing some of the power, uh, became an 800 OPS guy. You know, you, know you, you cut out Michael Chavis, and all of a sudden, some of these crappers, not so crap anymore. Yeah, well, Michael Chavis probably wanted to uh... – he hates walking. So that's why Bobby, Bobby was probably good friends with Michael Chavis and didn't want to make Michael Chavis feel bad for being just the most horrific hitter you've ever seen against fastballs. So Bobby in solidarity to Michael Chavis refused to walk and struck out a lot uh, to stand yeah, he, with Michael Chavis. Bobby Dahlbeck only walked twice in July for Michael Chavis. That's a yes. hero. It really was. Although sadly, Michael seven. Chavis can't, Kier Bobby Delbeck from being terrified of falling into his own dugout and reaching over the railing at first base. Nope. No, we can't. All right. As we kind of wind down here, let's uh, I got one more topic I want to cover. It's not so much a topic as it is a final question to pose to the both of you. So with everything you've seen to this point, including the Red Sox losing tonight to the Orioles in the series opener on sale day, how do you see the Red Sox season ending? Jonathan, lead us off. I, I want to say they're going to win the wild card game, but I, I don't know. They're not. It's a tough question. Like, I'm trying not to be like too optimistic. I'm trying not to be too pessimistic and say, like, oh, they're not even going to make the playoffs because they just lost to Baltimore. But. I, I got I'll say they're gonna lose in the wild card because I think they'll they'll squeak in because the you know their schedule's so easy down the stretch and some of the other teams are playing each other. So one team's gonna have to win, one team's gonna have to lose. 
Um, so I'll say they'll lose in the wild card game because I got Chris Sale is just he's not he's not gonna he's gonna give up some type of bomb and he's just gonna kill them. Mike, how do you see the Red Sox season ending? Um, you know, I'd love to be optimistic enough to think that they're even going to get there at this point. I think they're going to be sitting on their couches after Sunday or going to Cabo. Uh, I think they finished fourth in the division. I think if tonight was any indication, they're running out of gas faster than we realized. And I don't know that they want it anymore. I think the only saving grace is New York and Toronto do have two more games to play against each other after tonight. But, you know, Tampa doesn't have much left to play for. And, you know, Toronto is going to play Baltimore this weekend. So, I mean, you know, Washington, you would love to say that they're going to be pushed over, but they have the hottest hitter in baseball right now in Soto, who can cause a lot of problems for you. I think they're going to end up having a blow through sale on Sunday. I, I think something is going to go wrong because that's just how things are trending with this team right now. And I think come Tuesday, Toronto will be playing New York, not Boston. I think that they end up in the wild card game some way, somehow. I just, if they don't, like I said, this, this is just going to be a, a season to just forget about an absolute failure given the start. I think they can find a way to win that wild card game. So I'm going to say that they somehow, some way, not only get into the wild card game, but they also steal it. But then they ultimately play the Rays in the ALDS. I'll go gentleman sweep against the Rays. They'll they'll drop that series three games to one. But I think that's going to do it for this episode of Fixin' to Talk Sports. For Mike Ayula and Jonathan Sullivan, I'm Ryan. We'll see you next time.